We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is me, Lean, from arsenalvision.co.uk. On this show today, we have the usual guests. We've got Elliot, we've got James, and we've got Paul. And before that, just have a few thoughts of my own about the game against West Brom. Well, another clean sheet is always good. Can't complain about that. Um, three points on the board. Um... Excuse the background noises, that's, that's a little dog who wants my attention. Um, but yes, we um, we had quite a few chances in the first half. That is one of the slight negatives. I suppose it can be a negative or positive. It's good that we're creating chances, that's always a good thing. Uh, you worry when you're not creating chances, cliche alert. Um, <clears throat> but we're not taking our chances and that's a bit of a worry. Against better teams, as we found out only last week, you know what can happen if you don't take your chances and you can get punished. But luckily, West Brom couldn't couldn't breach our defence. I thought we defended really well. Oh yeah, the, the team selection is probably a good a good talking point. Um, Arsene Wenger brought back Laurent Koscielny into the back four, moving Nacho Mourinho's left back. Um, poor fellow got injured, like all of our squatters as usual, and. Um, Interesting change up front with Giroud playing centrally, Welbeck on the left, and Alexis Sanchez on the right. That's quite an attacking team for Arsene Wenger. He doesn't normally play um, three out-and-out strikers. He normally tries to avoid doing that by playing a more creative player out wide. But he went for it and played three strikers. Interesting to see if that carries on, especially with Walker coming back soon. Well, 
hopefully soon. Um, interesting to see where he goes with all of that because he normally likes the balance of a creative player, more defensive player, as well as a striker, but he's gone all strikerish. Um, yeah, Santi Cazorla today, not today, yesterday. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, again, second game in a row, and, it, and I think quite clearly it shows that, well, unless it's a massive coincidence, that he's a lot better from the centre of the pitch, number uh, 10 position than he is in a wide position coming in. Because, um, yeah, these last two games, he's been fantastic. And, um, yeah, his 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 assist was magnificent. I didn't know he had... Uh, I love the way he hit it past the uh, the defender, ran past him, and then the defender went to barge him, and he just sort of, like, jumped up and sort of um, barged him with his shoulder and sort of carried on going. Um yeah, it was it was very good, and his cross on his weaker foot, ha ha ha, weaker foot, Santikas all that as if, um, perfectly fell to Danny Warbeck to head against the keeper's hands and into the net for one nil. Um, we should have scored earlier than that, but we got the goal. Second half, we could have scored more. We could have conceded as well because um, West Brom striker Berrino hit the crossbar. We had a, and that could have been a different game. But yeah, we clung on and um, we got the three points. So you, what we really do need to do now is 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 keep keep being tight at the back. If you think about how many chances Man United had, and West Brom had in two games, it's not very much at all. So we're actually not giving up many chances, which is a good thing. Um, we just need to take our chances a bit more now. Need to be ruthless because if we don't, then it can you can be punished for it. So anyway, and that is that for me now. Um, recording this in the early hours of the morning, uh, the day before, or same day. I'm confused now. Um, had a bit to drink now, so I need to get some sleep. But I'm going to pass it over to the guys, um, Elliot and James and Paul. And have a discussion about the game. So enjoy and take care of yourself and each other, as James Bringer once said. It's a clean sheet and an away win for Arsenal. My name's Elliot Smith, and this is the Arsenal Vision Post Match Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Uh, I am joined by two much cleverer and more interesting men than myself, so we will get right into introducing them. Uh, first, it's James. GoonerFanatic49 on Twitter is where to find him. James, welcome. Good evening. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever it is that you are listening, whatever time it is. And uh, Paul, who can be followed at Poznan in my pants on Twitter, important as always to clarify that the that is not happening in my pants. It is happening in his pants. You will follow him <laughs> at Poznan in my pants. Paul, uh, thanks for coming on. One of these days, one of these days. No, thank you very much. 11, 11 12 a.m. here in Chicago, sunny day. So. Lovely. Here okay. We go. Well, it is it is a sunny day in Arsenal world because it was a victory today. Um, we can see the momentum that you could argue started uh, with the performance against United, but more reasonably started with a midweek win against Dortmund. Uh, uh, so, 
maybe the best place to start is just with your man of the match. We'll, we'll get to the to the selection in a moment because I think there were some interesting choices that the manager made, uh, both in attack and defense. But um, let's start with you, James. Uh, I, I mean, the man of the match was Santi Cazorla, but do you want to pick anyone else? Uh, if you do, why are you wrong? And if you don't, tell me what you thought of Santi Cazorla. Um, well, firstly, I mean, I thought Santi was absolutely excellent today. Um, there's been a lot of talk about his sort of current form over the last few games. I don't think he's been quite as bad as some people will have you believe. Um, but today he did look his sort of his old self. Um, and he looked he, had, he looked much improved against Dortmund. But I actually thought our captain on the day, Mertzacker, was absolutely impervious at the back. Um, especially late on as it got a little nervy. Um, and West Brom started consistently sort of lumping the ball into the box. Um, the height of Mertzacker, he... Um, the confidence in the box and his his continuous ability to to get us out of um, out of, sort of the, the consistent pressure that West Brom put on put on us. Um, so for me, he was he was far and away uh, both the leader on the pitch and man um, out of the match. Uh, just so we're clear, you're saying that to be contrarian, and you know Cazorla was the man of the match, or you actually think it was Per Mertesacker? I actually think it was Per. Okay, uh, okay, you're entitled to be wrong. Um, that's part of the joy of being on a podcast. So, Paul, um, let's correct James. I assume you will agree uh, correctly that Santi Cazorla was man of the match. You're in a funny mood. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, won, we won a game. You can't be happy today. When are you ever going to be happy? Come on. It's our fifth win Fair of the enough. season. Yeah, so I, I, was kind of str- I was pushing Santi to one side for a moment and trying to think of somebody who played better. And I think there are a lot of people who played pretty well, but nobody that really steps up to that man of the match level beyond, beyond just the general pretty good performance across the team. So yeah, it's definitely Santi for me. I think he really made it all tick, uh, joined all the dots. So Santi for me. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, to be fair, uh, Paul, I, I, I think James has a point. I thought Mertesacker was excellent. Although I still think sometimes his headed clearances are falling at the feet of too many uh, opposition players, not, not getting yeah. the distance on some of his headed clearances. But in general, I agree. He, he marshaled the defense well. He moved the ball well. I actually think you could give honorable mention just to a player who has come in for so much criticism, and that would be Matthew Flamini, um, who, while certainly not the man of the match, uh, avoided picking up a card, which is a miracle. I think he did anyway, certainly not the rash early card that ruins his match. I thought he was composed, uh, you know, when he had to receive the ball in midfield, he made intelligent decisions with us, uh, with it and, and didn't put us under pressure. And he chased back well at one point covering for, uh, I believe it was Gibbs at that point where he had to chase back into the left back position, uh, which he has some experience with from our uh, run to the Champions League final. Uh, but overall, I think there was a lot to be encouraged about. One of the things that was interesting on the day, obviously, is that we saw uh, Giroud and Welbeck selected together. Uh, Welbeck, I guess you could say shunted out wide, but some of his touch, if you look, at, I guess, the heat map, um, which everyone's so fond of, he did get into a lot of central positions. Um, James, were you surprised that Oxley chamberlain who arguably outside of Sanchez has been our best player, wasn't selected? Um, and what did you make of how Giroud performed working with with Welbeck in the front line? I, I'll just qualify that by saying it's unfair to evaluate Giroud versus Welbeck, given that Giroud is still just getting back. 
But what did you make of that decision and what did you make of, of how it worked out just uh, in general throughout the match? I was definitely surprised by the decision. Um, I personally was expecting, especially given the fact that Welbeck seemed to be a doubt going into the game, uh, that Danny would start on the bench. Um, but more importantly, I felt Alex had been our most consistent performer along the well, aside from Alexis, um, this season and being one of our m- more dangerous threats going forward. That being said, in hindsight, it, especially given that Danny did get the winning goal, um, his height, his, his strength and his sort of industrious playing style um, very much, I, th- I thought, was, was, was fairly key in the way in which we dealt with West Brom today. Um, and I think, you know, there, there, were, there were moments in the game with the, there was some nice sort of interplay between Welbeck and Giroud. They both have that, that sort of nice one-touch um, layoff um, part of their skill set. But I think it was fairly clear to see that they were, they were two players that hadn't really played alongside each other. And as you mentioned, Giroud has just come back from injury, and I don't think I don't think he was he was particularly terrible. I don't think he had the best of games, Giroud. Um, so I th- I think it's going to take a little time for the two of them to to really sort of get to get to understand each other. Yeah, I would say he had a very Giroudy game uh, in that he did some things well, but his hold up play wasn't as good as we're used to. A lot of balls, uh, pardon me, a lot of balls that uh, normally stick. A lot of those long balls were. Um, bouncing, bouncing off him. Now, as far as uh, Paul, the the decision to pick uh, Giroud instead of Oxley Chamberlain or Welbeck instead of Oxley Chamberlain, I want to get your opinion on how you thought it worked out. But also, do you think this is an indicator of the pecking order, or do you think this is more uh, something that was done with an eye towards a midweek game against Southampton? having played Wednesday and having the early game Saturday? Uh, It's a really good question. I tend to lean towards it being a little bit of a pecking order decision. Um, A bit of a, and uh, maybe a little bit more about seniority. Maybe, you know, you got to keep a little harmony in the squad. So it's a little challenging for the Ox because as I think uh, I've expressed a number of times, uh, some weeks ago, uh, you know, I've, I've been disappointed for the Ox that he didn't get his better displays in all that time. Now he had injuries and he was struggling to come back, but it's only the last few weeks where we've seen the Ox we were all hoping to see. And he, he's really been great. He's been one of our best players, man of the match contender for a few weeks, but he's the most junior out of the, the three, four, five, you'd have to pick up front to work out who goes where. Um, now, maybe contradicting that as Arson promising that uh, we would see 442 or the implication plenty of 442 this year, and I guess we saw it today. So um, I, I think it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks to see how it plays out. But I, I think maybe the Ox, had he been the more senior member of the squad, would have been playing today. Um, I, think I think it's fair to say we'll also have a clearer picture based on who he picks Wednesday, right? Now, admittedly, yeah. the Ox got a, a knock on the knee and, and may not wind up being fit. But wouldn't you say that that game, Arsene will view that game as arguably being more important than this one and that the selection in midweek may give us a clearer picture of, of who is uh, higher up the, the pecking order there? Yeah, I think that's right. And 
the risk with all of these things is we're guessing and snatching and you, you can't see a pattern till you see a few games. So I think that's right. We'll know we'll know more in midweek. But uh, certainly the, the lineup surprised me. I thought it was interesting. Arson isn't very tactic-y, but uh, the, you know, this lineup definitely changed things. On the other hand, we weren't brilliant today. So there's plenty to talk about in terms of why that was, you know, we were good, but we weren't great. And was that the, was it this lineup getting to know each other? But it's interesting where Danny scored his goal from and where Giro, Giro was at the t- time. We definitely had the two up front right at that moment. And there was a lot, you could have seen a lot of fluidity in the front three between at any particular time where Alexis was, where Giroud was, where Welbeck was. I mean, they all had their time on each wing or in the middle. Yeah. Uh, see, it's funny. I actually thought it was a, a really nice performance. I mean, you're not going to batter everyone, but they had very, very few chances until the end where they were pouring forward. Um, you know, we did have 15 or 16 shots, uh, six or seven on goal, I think. And, you know, overall, I thought it was a controlled performance. One thing that, you know, I noticed is that the midfield seemed to work pretty well. Um, I want to I want to ask you two questions. And, and Paul, I'll stay with you just for a second. Um Kazorla's best performances have come when Jack isn't on the pitch and Jack's going to be gone for a while. I would never suggest, obviously, that an injury is uh, a benefit because it isn't. But just in terms of Wilshire not being there, I think sometimes we look a little more organized and the midfield knows how to operate. Um, Do you get the sense that when Wilshire is not in the midfield, players like Kazorla and like Ramsey and, and arguably even Flamini have a better feel for the spaces to occupy, that our spacing is better, the ball moves when it needs to, where it needs to. I mean, in general, do you feel that there's just a, a, a better organization and calm and structure to the midfield when he's not there? Or, or do you just think it happens to be that Cazorla is improving in his form generally? So I don't really have an answer for that, but I'll take a contrarian position, which was everybody agrees or, or is open to the idea that our United performance, apart from all the bits that sucked, was one of our best performances. Jack was on the field. Yes. Um, so, but, but I, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people saying, oh, surprise, surprise, Ramsey's playing better now that Jack isn't on the field. Santi's playing better now that Jack isn't on the field. Uh, I heard it said about Alex, you know, you name it, everybody's better now. Jack well, is well on I the mean, field. also, just, just to add one thing, if you look at goal difference in results when Jack is on the field versus off the field, and this is not necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean it's dispositive that it's because of him, but we are several goals in, into the negative with him on the pitch and several goals positive with him, uh, with him off it. Um, I just offer that with no further comment. And I think that's fair, but I think we'd all recognize that he's taken a long time you know, we could have counted down the arson at the start of the season said he's going to need, I think he said the number eight games and mm-hmm. bang on around those eight games, he had started to really perform. And then you throw in last year where he was struggling for form, you know, there's two Jack Wilshers. There's the Jack Wilshire. Unfortunately, two thirds of his time is spent fighting his way back to a top level. Yeah. And then there's the last Jack Wilshire of the last couple of weeks um, and I'm just not smart enough. You know, play on the field is such a complex system that I don't know how you can isolate one guy without either being really clever or looking for patterns over long periods of time since so much changes. You know, was mm-hmm. look how good we are with and without Arteta. 
and how many times in the games where Jack was playing poorly was Arteta not that you know it, it's very complex stuff. So no, that, that's I'm a fair co- point. I mean, I'm going to cop Arteta- out a little bit, except to say that our performance against United was really strong, and Jack was on the field. Yeah, I, I mean, and I and I think to be fair, if Jack is more of a freelancer and and adds a little bit of chaos theory to the midfield, it becomes more important to have Arteta, who is so precise and controlled and organized. You said there are two Jack Wilshers, you know, one. Fighting for form, one in form, or, you know, obviously you said it uh, a little better than that. I would say there's two Jack Wilshers, one on the ball and one off the ball. And the one on the ball looks very talented. Sometimes I think when Jack Wilshers off the ball, he's not doing the things he needs to be doing for the team. But um, uh, James, you know, Paul mentioned that Ramsey looks like he's improving. I actually was not impressed with him again today. I think he's really struggling. I think he's still taking some shots he shouldn't be taking, making some decisions that don't make sense. He's starting to do the simple things better, but we're not, I mean, look, we're not talking about a 19-year-old who's just breaking into the side and just needs to be steady. We're talking about a player who was our player of the season last season. He's not hitting those heights and he's not coming close. His shooting hasn't been good. Um, Some of his decision-making is still off. I thought the decision to go for goal when Foster came up late in the game was both ill-advised and selfish or some combination of the two. Maybe I'm being a little difficult there, but James, what, what do you make of Ramsey's performance today? Um, what were the strong, strong parts of that? And, and where do you think he struggled? Um, I mean, like you said, he has had a, um, a fairly poor start to the season as a whole, although he was again, much like Santa, he, he, he had, we'd seen distinct improvements in the Borussia Dortmund game. Um, I'm not, I'm not quite convinced that he had a particularly terrible game today, although he was certainly one of our weaker performers on the day. He does seem to be a player that's currently... I'm not sure if confidence is the word, because he's hes always someone that's requesting the ball. He always wants the ball at feet. He's, nev- he's never one to shy away. Um, it, it's tough, to put, it, It's tough, especially as a fan, watching from afar to necessarily put a finger on it. I thought, as you, as you said, I mean, from, from doing... He, he's starting to do the simple things a lot, a lot better than he was in the earlier parts of the season, but it seems to be as, as soon as he's in the final third of the pitch, he seems to rush into decisions in front of goal. He seems to, you know, there was that snapshot where he, um, he dragged the ball wide. He took a couple of shots when I thought he needn't have. But then again, you also had that snippet where he, he was one that I think fed, fed the ball into Welbeck um, uh, midway through the first half. So you do see those sort of flashes of moments with Aaron. And I I can't but think, especially off the back of last season, that it's 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 just it's something that's going to take a little bit of time. It might be momentum, it might be confidence. I just I think it's something that's playing on his mind in the final third. Um, yeah, that's the, fair. I mean, let me know what you guys think. Well, I, I mean, Paul, you know, other than the fact that I'm not impressed with him, which is sort of the the final dispositive opinion on the matter uh i i mean do you think that he is again and i want i want to explain something i think he has improved and i think he's he's solid enough now he's gotten back to the point where he's not hurting the team he's kind of at what i would call par but he's a player we need more than par from and if he's going to keep very talented players out of the side i mean you could argue that we could have played oxley chamberlain instead of him today and dropped 
Sanchez in, into the number 10 and played Cazorla deeper or even played Oxlade-Chamberlain deeper, as we know uh, the manager sees Oxlade-Chamberlain as a midfielder long-term. I mean, for you, is, is he just doing the basics right now, and is that enough to keep his spot? What, what would you say, you know, um, to add to my uh, meaningless, trivial opinions? <laughs> Which I enjoyed listening to. Um, so I don't know what I said. I think I said the people say that Ramsey is playing better without Wiltshire, etc. I agree with you guys today. I think I think a bit like the Wiltshire thing, it was going to take him X number of games. And he said himself, he's finding he's found now found his fitness and it feels good. So I think you can see that there's a, a more robustness about his game. But I didn't think he had a great game today. Um but I did see Tim Stillman, whose opinion we all respect, saying he thought he'd had a really good game, so I need to have a, another look at it, that Ramsey was keeping it simple. That's not what I noticed, but then you, you kind of judge it on a couple of incidences, and I remember Ramsey doing a couple of tricksy things that he likes to do that didn't quite come off. Um, so I thought he was decent today, good, and probably on a a rewatch, his work rate was really good. And part of the reason we were able to dominate them kind of with a sense of some level of comfort for maybe 80 minutes of the game, I'm sure Ramsey played a big part in that. And maybe the space that Wiltshire uh, would normally occupy, Ramsey was all over. So I'd like to look at that again, but I don't don't think it was great today. I thought he was pretty solid. Uh, but I agree with you. You expect a, li- a little more. Those one or two opportunities in front of goal, which he would put a, would have put one away last year. Um, and I also, coming back to your earlier point, sorry, about, no, uh, you know, you, whether we played good or great. I think, I think you're right, really. You know, had, had Santi had his shooting boots on, uh, one or two of the uh, other players. But, you know, when Alexis... Alexis didn't have a great game. He had a, a decent game. Uh, not necessarily his his fault. I, I think the interesting thing in terms of the formation and the three up front is, you know, did it rob Alexis a little bit? And Santi playing well, was that a little bit at the expense of Alexis playing at the number 10? So I think there's loads to debate on that formation today beyond the Oxlade-Chamberlain, but it's one of those things we'll see over time as we see that formation played uh, time and time again. Yeah, and, you know, I I think the difficulty with Aaron Ramsey for me also is that, um, you know, I'm not not questioning whether he's improving. I think there's definitely improvement in his performances. I'm questioning whether he's at the level – we expect of him, we need from him <clears throat> and whether he, you know, warrants his place on the basis of those performances. Now you could say he's such a talent and he is so important long-term that we need him in the side to play him into form because anything we're going to achieve this season depends upon him ultimately rounding into the form we know he can. So, I mean, you can definitely make that argument that he's just a player you stick with and you let and, him round into and, the form. And for free, you get his work rate that mops up Absolutely. so much like a sponge. So, you know, I think that's the, the, the tipping point, which is, yeah, he may be there or thereabouts in terms of is he good enough to be on the field in terms of form, but, you know, you just not knock it past the tipping point with the work rate. 
Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing, actually, is especially given the kind of attacking potential we have now in the squad this season, is I wonder mm. if he's actually more important to us in the first two-thirds of the field than actually in the final third, where he was gaining most of his plaudits from last year. I mean, addition, uh, in addition to that, his, you know, his interception rate, his, his tackles coming back last year, though his stat- statistics as an all-round midfielder was absolutely excellent. But I think the part of his game that he is currently focusing on that it needs to, he needs to be focusing on is more his sort of defensive side and, and sort of just regurgitating position in the middle um, until he builds that, that confidence up in the final third. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense. Um, so let's talk about uh, a player who had an excellent game who maybe had been struggling of late or, or at least come in, to, come in for some criticism of late, and that's Callum Chambers. Uh, if you believe who scored, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, they actually had him with the highest rating of any player in the match. Um, I thought he was excellent today. Uh, and, and I have to admit, I was starting to worry a few matches ago that you know, maybe he wasn't a, a great right back. I mean, potentially a player some people see more as a center back. But what did you make of Calum Chambers today? He was also, I thought, solid in midweek. Are you starting to think now he's, you know, he's gone through a little bit of a rough patch? You expect that from a young player playing more than he's used to? And, uh, you know, James, do you... Do you really see him now blossoming into someone who even potentially could could give Debushi a run for his money at right back when he comes back? Absolutely. I mean, I I, I love Callum Chambers. I think he's an absolutely excellent addition to the squad. I think since the Swansea game, he's actually been excellent against both United and Dortmund on top of today's performance. Um, I think it's quite funny, actually. Um, it's quite easy for us fans to sometimes sort of connect the dots, but... As soon as he had that one bad game against Swansea, a lot of fans were talking about how well, you know, really he's, he's more of a centre-back than a right-back. But when he was playing centre-back at the beginning of the season, fans were saying, well, you know, he's only ever played as a right-back in the Premier League. He's, you know, he's young. He's, this is going to take him time to learn, learn the centre-back position. So it's, it's very easy to make sort of snap judgments off, off a very short-term result. And I think one of the interesting things about him is He's he's a very tall and physical boy. You know, he not only is he a very astute player who's got great technical control. I think his distribution is excellent for a right back as well. Um, but his ability in the air is is fantastic. And when you compare that to Carl Jenkinson from last year, who you know we all love, but one of his his biggest flaws, I think, and he's you know, still he's still young and inexperienced and learning, but was his aerial ability. And I think that's something else that Callum really brings to the team because for a right back, he's He's he's, a, he's he's an added physical presence, and I think that well, actually, really helps us at the back. I would say one of the areas, you know, to build on that, I think when you press Carl Jenkinson, he panics a little. His distribution winds up struggling, and his, he doesn't have great feet. I'm so impressed by Callum Chambers' feet in tight situations. Uh, yep. He seems to be very comfortable on the ball. I mean, Paul, um, two players actually – what did you think of Chambers? Do you think he is making an, an argument for being the starting right back, which might be a little unfair because Debushi looked fantastic before he got injured? And another player, uh, Emmy Martinez, I mean, apart from one kick that was a little worrying but wound up falling right to the feet of an Arsenal player anyway, I think maybe Alexis Sanchez. What do you make of those two players and their chances to at least lobby for being first choice in their position? Yeah, Chambers uh, certainly is making a case for being the starter. But I think a bit like Oxlade-Chamberlain, he might lose out not on ability or performances, but just on seniority. I think Debushi will get it back when he comes back. I don't think, actually, I'm going with the line that 
Chambers hasn't had a bad game yet. I know he got roasted against Swansea, but he wasn't pretending to anybody he was the fastest player on the pitch in any of our games. Um, that was purely a flaw tactically of not getting uh, Oxlade Chamberlain back to cover your your full back. Sometimes your sometimes their winger has the beating of your full back, and it's, that doesn't make your full back bad or out of form or having a bad game. It just means you got to cover the guy and you got to make that adjustment. And we didn't, or Oxlade Chamberlain didn't, and that was why Chambers looked bad against Swansea City. So. Just just to be fair, though, I think you could make the argument that a more experienced fullback, and I, I'm not a footballer and I've never played football, but I would think might say, I I can't, this guy's going to run past me. I can't stop him. I'm going to show him inside where I have support and where his pace can't hurt me, and I'm going to make sure I don't get beat beat on the outside to, to the end line. I mean, is, isn't that, you know, what, what a more experienced fullback who doesn't have the pace to keep up with a winger might consider in, in that situation? Yeah, perhaps so. Um, again, you know, it's kind of trying to replay the tape in your mind. That that sounds good, and maybe that's right. I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, the one listen. The one thing I will say about him that he might need to sort of rein back slightly is he he does sometimes have the tendency to commit himself. He likes yes. to go in for a challenge, and I think that was one of the issues we saw against. Um, when he played up against Moreno um, in the Swansea Montero, match, Montero, yeah, Montero, sorry. Um, and I think I think that's that that was the major issue in, in my eyes, along alongside the fact that he wasn't provided much protection from Alex. And I think in games like that, he just needed to give, he needed to provide more space between him and the opposing left winger, um, especially given that he had the pace over him. The Swansea so, player, that is. From from one fullback who played well to. Uh, the other side of the pitch for a minute. Um, just the one today, and it came early in the first half. And of course, I'm not talking about uh, goals. I'm talking about uh, injury and forced substitutions. Um, it, it's sort of becoming the story slash joke of the season. Monreal uh, picked to start at left back, maybe as sort of a thank you for the hard work he put in at center back. I think it might have been a little cruel to then just cut him loose and say back to the bench. But uh, regardless of what the reasoning is, started at left back, um, picked up a knock and had to be subbed off. And then Gibbs potentially uh, took a knock as well in the game. He finished the game, but after the match, the manager said uh, he might might be a doubt for midweek. At this point, James, I mean, do we – what do we do? Do we bubble wrap the players? Do we – I mean – what, what do you? What is your? You know, without wanting to dive into it, none of us are physios. None of us know what's going on. It's not just a lot of injuries. It's a lot of soft tissue injuries. I mean, does it frustrate you? Does it anger you? Are you are you starting to be concerned? I mean, what what do we do at this point? I really don't know. I we we need to find the magic dust. I think. I just. I, I mean, it's it's difficult for us as fans to have any particular idea as to. As to why these injuries keep happening, is it, are they training? Are they training too hard before games? Are they? But you know, we've brought in Shad Forsyth, who I, we've all sort of painted as this um, this sort of Moses figure that's going to come in and cure all the, the Messiah, the Messiah, the injury Messiah. But I, I don't know. I, and actually, on that point, which kind of I would allude to with the idea of Debushi should come in to replace Chambers, not purely based on not not based on performance at all, but because. We need Chambers as a squad player on the bench. I mean, he's a, he's a backup centre-back and right-back. So you're, you'd prefer for Debushi to get injured than 
than Chambers. And I was a little surprised to see Monreal start at left back ahead of Gibbs for that reason. While we're so light at the back, I would have almost preferred to protect Monreal, given that we need him in case of, say, a Koscielny recurrence injury or for an injury that Gibbs is, you know, in a season likely to receive. So I, I, I wonder what your take on that is. You, you think there's a possibility that Koscielny's chronic injury could become an issue again? That's well, a, <laughs> it's hard to imagine. Um, well, Paul, let me ask you something, because, uh, you know, James obviously said that, that Per Mertesacker was his man of the match, and while we, you know, know that he's wrong, uh, <laughs> we, we agree that, that Mertesacker played one of his uh, better games of the season, how much of that do you put down to his friend and regular center back partner, Koscielny, being back? I mean, great to have Koss back. I don't think he had a game where, you know, he, he had his usual uh, moments where you just marvel at how spectacular he is. But there's no question that Mertesacker just trusts him, knows he, he can protect him with his pace, knows where he's going to be. I mean, do you feel that, that Koscielny's return, while maybe unspectacular because it didn't need to be, played a big, big role in why Mertesacker looked so so assured today? Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. I think the other factor was that uh, our front three, the work rate they put in, all three of them chasing down with with Santi and, and Ramsey, did a very good job of keeping, of pushing uh, West Brom back. And there wasn't, you know, Berahino was pretty isolated up front, uh, you know, there was two of them taking care of him. I think it was just a game that made that made the uh, Mertesacker look good. I don't. That sounds more harsh than I mean it to sound. I don't think he's a great high line uh, full uh, centre back. Regardless, obviously Koscielny covers for him, but I think uh, we will need to see more games to see if. Koscielny and Mertesacker have got their mojo back and if Koscielny's sticking around with his Achilles. So definitely the tendency is to say, oh, Koscielny's back. You know, Mertesacker is fixed now. We're all good. But mm-hmm. I think it was a kind game too, a very kind game for Mertesacker. I mean, well, not, not that we didn't earn it, but that front three is a hell of a work rate front three. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, to be fair also though, I mean, Berahino and and Cessignon, Cessignon in particular is a player who's tormented us in the past, and we we kept them at bay. I thought pretty nicely. Um, uh, James, you had something you wanted to add really quickly. Well, I just said. I mean, let me rephrase that for you. I think I think Murdoch is a player that becomes integral in games like of this ilk, um, in games where his flaws aren't necessarily preyed upon as much as they might be in other in other matches. And I think if we you know, the sort of lack of confidence we've had in this side hasn't really been attributed towards our, our front players. It's been very much directed at, at our instability at the back. And part of the reason why I was so happy with the motorcycle performance is that, you know, perhaps certainly on, on paper and, and most seem to agree that Santi was, was the player, player of the match, is that what was more important to us today over anything, uh, well, aside from the result, of course, was, was that clean sheet. And I think... Murdersacker provided that base for us that 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 allowed that allowed for us to flourish at the back, and I think he, in my eyes, along with sort of the performance of Chambers, etc., was was a major and integral component to to us. Only the only time I thought we might concede was when Berahino hit hit the bar late on. Right, and to be fair, I mean, 
you, you could pick the bones out of any game and, and be disappointed that we even conceded a chance there. But I mean, they hardly had a chance the whole game. I, I think overall you're, you're rarely going to go through a game where, where you keep a team completely at bay. And considering the criticism that our defending has come in for, I thought we were very assured, especially away. Um, you know, I know they've been struggling, but they do have players that, that can cause trouble, um, especially in Barajino and Sessegnon. I, I, we could, you know, one of the topics we could get into is we could talk about the banner in the crowd and the manager was asked about it after the game. I don't think any of us really particularly want to talk about that. Um, we've all kind of at one point or another have voiced and will voice our opinion of what the best direction is with the manager. But I don't think there's a lot to be gained discussing a banner and discussing whether it's right or wrong because it's really just, I think, sort of an incendiary polarizing issue that is difficult to discuss Um in a way that, that really adds meaningful, uh, meaningful insight to the debate. So if it's all right with you guys, I'd like to skip over that. Um, one word answer real quick on this next one, just a one word answer. Yes or no, James, when Chesney is healthy and ready to come back in your mind, is there an argument for Martinez keeping the place? Yes or no. That's a question that requires more than a one-word answer. But well, we um, can we we can dive into it, but really but, quickly, just first, I'm curious. Yes no, or I mean, no? Quick, quickly, Chesney yeah. Chesney goes right back into the side. But okay, but I do think we perhaps later on we we should talk a little bit about Emmy Martinez. All right. Well, so really quickly, Paul, when Chesney's back, yes or no? Does Martinez does Martinez deserve an opportunity to keep his place? He deserves it, but Chesney will start. Okay, so since it does seem like that's and something... And he James, should, sorry. Okay, well, you both have an opinion that I think deserves a little uh, uh, expansion, and so I'm going to change the rules of the conversation um, and allow us to actually have an intelligent discussion like human beings who have the power of speaking uh, English. So, uh, James, you know, I, I, let, let me just give the counterpoint for a second. I am, I am a big fan of Chesney's in general, um, but Chesney, there's a lot of hubris to Chesney's game. I'm not sure that he is always as calm and composed as he should be. I think sometimes he maybe takes chances he doesn't need to. Martinez seems to keep it simple. No extraneous touches. His kicking, by and large, seems good. Um, he, he looks very big in the goal and very composed in the goal and seems to make good decisions. Chesney is someone who seems to need competition to play well. Uh, when he gets comfortable, sometimes he seems to, to maybe... Uh, become a little bit slack in his performances. So do you think just the competition he will sense from Martinez will be enough to keep him sharp? Or in your mind, is it just a case that Chesney is our future at the number one and, and he plays and that's the end of that? I think it will definitely help because I've been extremely impressed with Emmy Martinez, although he hasn't had all that much to do over the no, last he few hasn't. games. But he looks for a young goalkeeper, very calm and collected. Are you you almost feel a sense of confidence just sort of just watching him. His kicking has been astute. Um, his handling for corners and, and crosses has been has been superb. And on the few occasions that he has been brought into action, he's he, he's done what's what's been required of him. But at the same time, he's still he's still a young goalkeeper who I imagine could do with a with a loan spell. You know, as soon as we've only. We've only seen him play two matches now, and as you know, as soon as we win two clean sheets, two clean sheets indeed. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as as soon as we play a match where you know perhaps he's slightly at fault for a goal, the uh, the knives and all will be out um, asking why a nineteen year old is 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 starting um, a football match. And I listen. I think we can we can agree that 
compared to previous seasons when we've had the likes of Almunia, etc. in goal, Chesney's actually a goalie that, that has won us points rather than lost us points. I agree. And I think, yes, there's, a, there's this slight crazy component to, to, to Wojciech. Um, he does make slightly restless decisions every now and then. But I think that's part of what makes him the goalie that he is because he's so supremely confident in himself. And I, I, I think he's a, go- he's a goalie that can win us matches. That Udinese penalty is, is, is the first thing that, co- that comes to mind. Um, I, I don't think we've, see- we've, we've seen Martinez tested in that way just yet. And I think Chesney is, is very much the future of this club. But as we've seen when Fabianski came in last season, competition is, <laughs> will certainly do Chesney no harm. Absolutely. I, I, I want to move on and, and just take a quick look ahead to Southampton. But before we do, Paul, do you have anything to add to James' uh, very eloqu- eloquent and articulate defense of the inconsistent and unreliable Wojciech Chesney? It was eloquent. Um, <laughs> just a couple of things. I, I had to Google this to make sure it meant what I thought what I thought it meant. I don't get the animus against Chesney. I, mm-hmm. It's certainly not his best patch of play. Um, but, uh, you know... The, the, the knives are out from uh, on the basis of Martinez. Can I offer very, uh, a, a quick yeah. insight into why I think that is, Paul? Because I'm a huge fan of Chesney's. I, I think the selfie on the pitch, how active he was on social media for a while. I think, unfortunately, when things aren't going great at the club and you have a player who seems glib and not serious and jokey and, and you know, who likes to participate in all those sorts of things, that people can't divorce... They, they can't separate the off-field persona with the on-field performances. You know, it, it's much in the same way that Lucas Podolsky has been very effective in sort of marketing himself on social media to make himself likable in a way Gervinho wasn't, for example. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, to your point, why are the knives out for him? I think it has less to do with the performances than with the off pitch persona. Uh, sorry to interrupt there, sure. but I think to me, I think that explains it because I agree with you that he's, he's a fairly assured and consistent performer for us, but uh, uh, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Well, uh, unlike some of your previous insights, I think there might be something to that one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, the no, good thing I, is if you talk a lot, occasionally you yeah. will say something uh, intelligent. <laughs> and I, I, you know, James picked up on, uh, on Chesney's risk taking. Um, but, uh, and I see that I, I think I blame Neuer for it. Cause everybody wants to be, you know, the Sweeper poor man's people. Neuer. Yeah. yeah. But to be fair to Chesney, he's never got caught yet. I mean, he's almost has, and he should have yeah. and et cetera, but it hasn't, to me, it hasn't actually cost us. And I can't think of many games where he was the reason why. Um, so anyway, in summary, I don't quite get it. It's not his best phase of form. Martinez has done great. He really looks the part. And Chesney himself says he likes competition. So yeah, well, and good. Tim Stillman made this point not to keep patting him on the back because yeah, no, he, he already gets enough accolades. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think it is true. We watch our own keeper a lot. and We only see patches and other keepers. So we see them make some highlight saves and assume they're better. You know, our keeper can keep a clean sheet, but if he has one bad kick in a game, we say, oh, I, I don't trust him. I think Chesney, because his distribution sometimes is poor um, and because he sometimes makes mistakes with his kicking, even if they don't come back to bite us, those are things we remember. Um, and, and we tend to micro, you know, micro analyze um, 
our own players and especially our own keepers. Let's move on to the Southampton match. Uh, and, and we don't need to do a deep dive on it, but I just think quickly, you know, obviously they've got City tomorrow. It's a big, big game for them. It's a big patch for them where they're going to be playing a lot of the big clubs. Um, and we're really going to see where they belong in the table. I mean, they do have the second best goal difference in the league right now at 18, plus 18, one off Chelsea. And goal difference tends to be a pretty fair and accurate uh, indicator of where a team belongs. Um, you could say they haven't played the big sides, but teams like United have supposedly had easy starts to this season, and we've seen how they handled that. So I think it'll be a test. Defensively, they've been excellent this season, um, allowing, I think, the fewest shots and the fewest goals in the Premier League. James, just quickly, uh, two two questions. What do you do as far as starting 11 specifically with the front three would you bring ox back in would you sit one of uh welbeck or Giroud, um or even a ramsey and uh and what do you expect from us just uh in terms of the performance and the result um with regards to the starting lineup i i think it's much of a muchness personally um in that i think you know perhaps oxley chamberlain could come in for one of you or welbeck um, I do think what the Ox does add, though, is he coming off the bench. He's he's another danger entirely. Whereas if you, I'm I'm not sure if Welbeck necessarily brings quite as much impact as Ox does from from the bench. And perhaps with his sort of industrious qualities and work rate, um, Danny might be the better player to to start um, from the beginning, assuming that Giroud's already been picked in the middle. Um, I think it might be a good time to play Southampton. It will certainly be a very, very difficult game. But they just, they, they, they seem to slow down ever so slightly in their last couple of performances that they just drew with, with Villa. Um, and often we've seen with teams that are in good form when they hit a rough patch of playing a lot of good teams um, in a very short period of time, that their legs begin to tire, their confidence drops ever so slightly. Um, so a tough game against City could be um, could certainly be a positive for us, and I think it it'll it's it's a good time from our point of view as we're beginning to gain some confidence, and it'll be a real test of 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 how far this team has come over this this week. I think. Yeah, it certainly can't hurt to root for a twenty-two man brawl and points deduction tomorrow when they face City. Um, Paul, I, I mean, would you would you change anything from the lineup today? Would you be inclined to? I, I think really the only player you could argue that would be a potentially brought back into the starting 11 is, is Oxley Chamberlain. Would you be inclined to make that, that switch? Um, or would you go back to the, the team that he picked today? I don't know. It's really interesting. I mean, uh, Chamberlain would love to play against Southampton. Um, Good point. He's been yep. in star- He's, he's been in startling form. Um, uh, you know, I think one of the great things about today was we had so many tall men on the pitch in defense um against a bigger side uh, maybe southampton's not not quite as tall i don't really know the stats on them but it was nice having giru welbeck uh you know per etc etc uh back in that penalty box in the last five ten minutes knocking balls out from corners or whatever there weren't too many but there were enough for it to be trouble and we've suffered from that in the past so that was nice uh i think it that to me is the the debate. I'd have to think a little bit more about Southampton's previous performances. You know, how many crosses are they getting in? 
those kinds of things. Uh, generally, I'd be tempted to start uh, Chamberlain uh, just because of his form and it being Southampton. But I think uh, we saw enough today to think that was a very good performance. And we've managed to convince ourselves that our last three performances, it's nice the way we've rewritten history on that United victory. Uh, you know, we now have yeah. three, three, good, three performances good performances in a row. Three good performances on the spin, yeah. <laughs> yeah, confidence-building performances. So I think it's pretty as good timing as we could have, have uh, hoped for, given our... Uh, trials and tribulations a week or two ago so yeah i don't think you can underestimate to the importance of having two morale boosting wins since the united match before an important home game against southampton because if this game had come directly after the united match you wonder what the support at the ground might have been like now spirits should be lifted a little bit and and there should be a slightly better mood around the emirates um i think we better leave it there we'll have plenty to discuss uh in midweek hopefully when we talk about um, uh, hat tricks galore for everyone in red. Uh, we will also start our investigative journalism series next week with part one, Theo Walcott, actual player or urban legend. <laughs> it would be interesting to see what we are able to dig up there. So uh, gentlemen, as always, it was a pleasure. James, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Elliot. And Paul, wonderful to talk to you. Thanks guys, enjoyed that. Yep. Uh, if you want to follow these uh, fine gentlemen on Twitter, which of course you should be doing anyway, it's James is at GoonerFanatic49 and Paul is at Poznan in my pants, uh, which uh, I have as yet to discover what it is, uh, but I'm sure uh, my wife would love to find out. Anyway, that is uh, a wonderful and unpleasant way to conclude a discussion of a great victory. Hey guys, uh, really enjoyed it. Cheers, and we'll talk to you next time.